The Gospel reading this morning, St. Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 52. Glory to you, O Christ. Our reading again is Matthew 13, 44 through 52, and can be found on your pew Bible on page 1519. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had, and then he bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls, and when he found one of great value, he went away, and he sold everything that he had, and he bought it. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into a lake, and it caught all kinds of fish. And when it was full, the fishermen pulled it up onto the shore, and then they sat down and they collected the good fish in baskets, but they threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? Jesus asked. Yes, they replied. And he said to them, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old this is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. The message this morning is based on the gospel reading from Matthew 13, the parable of the pearl of great price. And Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and he bought it. Will you pray with me now? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus, the parable of the pearl of great price and the parable of the hidden treasure are illustrations of a person finding something of such fantastic, breathtaking Stop the bus here. I want to get off value. 
that that person is willing to give up everything, everything he has, in order to make this thing of value his very own. Another disclosure, I was made aware that last week I went 25 minutes long in my sermon. And as we all know, in the Lutheran handbook, one ought not to do that. So mercifully, I will expand upon only the parable of the pearl of great price this morning. (laughs) However, the point that I will make, the main point, is the same for the parable of the hidden treasure. The pearl of great value is a revelation that is comprised of many, many layers. So I invite you to hear me now. This story, you will see, reveals as much about me and you as it does about God and his kingdom. Now, some read the parable and they see Christ, Jesus the Christ, as the pearl, and they see humanity as the merchant. And in this line of thinking, it is the sinner who finds Christ. Humanity, sinful, sinner. The sinner finds Christ through much work and skill and devotion or observance of the law. The sinner, as a merchant, might find a treasure unsurpassed in value in the marketplace, on the marketplace. It's possible. And further, please note the sarcasm in my voice if you haven't already. Further, when the sinner finds the treasure... In this case, a pearl. He recognizes its intrinsic value, and therefore he is willing to give up all that he has in order to possess it. Much of Christendom, that's Christians collectively, the masses, if you will, accepts this interpretation of the parable. Once again, Jesus is the pearl, and you and me, humanity, are the merchant. And they accept this parable on this kind of a logic mostly because it fits their understanding, our understanding of the gospel and faith and where faith comes from. For some, you see, the gospel of God's Forgiving grace in Christ is a treasure that can be found only if a person searches diligently, diligently enough with efforts to seek and to find and to claim Him as your personal Savior. 
So moving on with this theory, when the person finds the gospel, there is an assumption, an assumption that he'll have within him an irresistible feeling or a sense that compels him to embrace the treasure wholeheartedly. Finally, he'll be compelled by the obvious innate value of the treasure that the only response shall be to give up everything he has in order to possess it. Can you hear me? Do you think that I'm buying into how the masses are interpreting the parable? Of course not. But indulge me for a few moments so that I may lay out the proper understanding of this parable. Let's consider this first. A sinner's search for Christ, who in the parable is supposed to be, according to some, the pearl of great price, it's just flat wrong to think that we, apart from the Holy Spirit prompting us, have any interest in God's wondrous gift of a Savior whatsoever. Think about what Luther has written about the bondage of the will. In short, Luther says that the bondage of the will, there is no free will. The only one with free will is God. And given our, the opportunity, we will choose sin every time. So hear me again. I'm not saying that a person without God's Spirit won't have a longing for a little g-god in this world of our making, one who will bend to our will and lust, he who will meet our needs and give us some semblance of an inner peace that is otherwise lacking. A person without God's Spirit is looking for some comfort, Something to fill the void in their heart that God left there, that it can only be filled by himself. We know this because people self-medicate with little g-gods all the time. And it's not really always medication. There's all kinds of things that we can use little g-gods to fill the void in our heart that only God can fill. Solomon did this. And we know all the different ways he tried, and at the end of it, he writes vanity. He cried out vanity. All is vanity and cared in, in comparison to the big G God. The treasure that natural man seeks apart from God giving us a renewed heart is a self-serving treasure. It's a treasure that affirms what we already thought of ourselves and what we already thought of God. The Apostle Paul wrote this. He says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Paul's statement only affirms 
not only affirms the, for, the first point, namely that we aren't interested in the true God without the Spirit working within us, but it also affirms the second point, that we should we stumble across the gospel of God's forgiveness and grace in Christ without the power of the Holy Spirit working within us, we would consider the message not a treasure of unsurpassed value at all. We would consider it foolishness. There are people that are out there and say, oh, they call him Sky God, Sky Daddy. You've run across people that say, oh, you know, you, you believe in a book full of fables and stories. It's foolishness. Some people say that, yeah, Sunday's the only day I have to sleep in. Simply put, we wouldn't recognize the gospel as a treasure at all were it not for the Holy Spirit. Now, Christ and him crucified. Oh, brother, here goes pastor again. He always says that. Christ and him crucified. And I do say it again. Because through Christ's death and his resurrection, there is given the power of God unto salvation. It is, nonetheless, to those who are perishing, foolishness. And yet it remains God's power to save, for since in the wisdom of God, the world, through its own wisdom, did not know God. And, and it says God was pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. He gets a kick out of confounding the wise with the simplicity of Christ in him crucified for those who believe. Are you still with me? A little bit? Uh, okay. So let me ask you this. Is Christ then really the treasure in this parable? The treasure that we are supposed to have found and loved? If he is, if he's the treasure that we went out and looked for and we went out and find and we went out and claimed, then why haven't we been willing to give up everything for the sake of knowing and loving him? Why? Why haven't we given up everything that we have, everything, for the sake of knowing and loving him? Oh, <laughs> yeah, Pastor Ken just went there. I can read my mind if I were sitting out there, you know, boy, that's a pretty big assumption there, Pastor, thinking I haven't given everything up. And you know what about assumption means, right? <laughs> I hear you. I hear me. Let me take a different tack. Let me ask you this. What have you given up for Christ? What have you given up for Christ. Luther wrote, a mighty fortress is our God. And I'm going to recite for you the second stanza 
It says, did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing? We're not the man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Dost thou ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabbath, his name, from age to age the same. And he must win the battle. Now that's big and that is bold. But it is Christ's boldness that wins the battle, not ours. Yes? Let us think in smaller categories. What small things have you given up for Christ? What small things have you given up for Christ? Our unwillingness to sacrifice everything for Christ as well as our inability to seek out the gospel and to recognize it when we find it are the very reasons that this parable of the pearl of great value has to be finally understood in a Christological manner, a study of Christ sense. In other words, if Christ and his kingdom are to be at the center of the parable as they are in all of Scripture, we have to change roles with him in our understanding of the merchant and the pearl. Instead of us being the merchant willing to give up everything we have in order to possess this great treasure, in this case, Christ, it is truthfully the other way around. Christ is the merchant. Christ is the one who gives up all that he has to buy and possess a treasure. The treasure that he gave his everything for is a lost and dying world. A wretched sinner like me and you. That was the treasure that he gave everything up for so that he could have it. Now do not surmise that I am meaning to suggest that we shouldn't be willing to give up everything we have for the privilege of knowing and following Christ, because I'm not saying that. However, can you tell me what is the first of God's commandments? What's the first commandment? It's thou shalt have no other gods before me. To which in Luther's small catechism reminds us this, that we should fear and love and trust in God above all things. God has not called us to a Christianity that knows nothing of sacrifice. 
And that sacrifice includes priorities. It includes relationships. It includes likes and dislikes. And yeah, it includes finances. Does law propel us to give up our false little G gods for the true God? No. That's not really what makes us do it. We know the law and we break it all the time. It is Christ and his love for us that does that. It is in fact that he looks at us, us who are broken and condemned sinners, and he says, I have found my treasure. I have found my pearl. And it's you. You. That he wants. And the great and astounding exchange happens. Happened. On that cross. Christ and him crucified. He exchanged his righteousness for your sinfulness. And that's amazing, isn't it? God is pleased with the world's foolishness and confusion over that while we were still sinners before a holy and righteous God, while we were still unwilling to give up the simplest of things for the privilege of knowing and following Christ, He, God, has given up his own dear son for us. And in so doing, he has identified you, you, as his pearl of great price. Amazing grace. You know that hymn. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was once lost, but now I am found. Was blind, but now I see. It was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. We proclaim Christ and Him crucified. We had nothing, and we have received everything from Him, Jesus, who loved us first, yet while we were still sinners. And He loved us first. Amen? Boy, you're beautiful pearls. I see you. And that's how the Father sees you. Clothed in Christ. Sealed by the Spirit. Marked by the cross. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Glory to God alone. Amen. Our